welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Leadership change is never easy, but that doesn't mean it can't be done well. On the 42nd anniversary of Perimeter's first worship service, founding pastor Randy Pope delivers his final charge to the congregation with this message entitled, Perimeter's Greatest Test, which covers 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11 and 21 to 23. For more information and to watch or hear other messages, please visit our website at perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're, uh, uh, we're having a special day. If you are new with us, I do want to say a word to those that are in overflow. Uh, sorry not to have you here in the, the main hall here, but uh, glad you are with us today. And uh, it is a special day. It was seven months ago, about this time, that uh, we announced to the church that there would be a transition made here uh, with new leadership coming in behind my leadership, uh, with Jeff Norris being that person, and we explained it and went through all of that, and, and we announced then that it would be on the date of, and we picked September 22nd. That was just not a random date that was picked. It was a date uh, very significant because it was 42 years ago this weekend on this Sunday that uh, we had our very, very first service. So this is really our anniversary of our first service as a church, and we have kind of celebrated uh, that uh, as our anniversary year in and year out on this particular time. And uh, tonight will be the special evening when we all come together at 6 o'clock, and we have the installation of Jeff to be the the, uh, senior leader of this church. So uh, we're excited about that. Uh, in thinking about that change of leadership, uh, it puts it in perspective for me uh, something one of my grandchildren, uh, our little Luke, uh, who's in school here, uh, was speaking to, her, to his uh, teacher, and the teacher shared with us what he had said, and he, I share this with his permission, uh, but he said, uh, you need to be praying for my pops. And I said, well, why is that? He said, because he's going down. Uh, how true that is. And uh, so many of you know we've been, we've been uh, to the Philippines for a week and then just got back from Australia a week back to back. And while we were in the Philippines, we were on the floor and it was on the higher floors. And so we we're stopping constantly going down. And, and uh, every time we you know, went down to the lobby and Every time the doors closed, we heard a voice, recorded voice, going down. (laughs) And Carol and I look and laugh every time. It's just a constant reminder. It is here and it is upon us. And this is the day and we're we're excited about it. I could be a little emotional. Um, I'm not a highly emotional person. But uh, I know that comes as a surprise to a lot of you, but anyway, um, but I do get emotional, and I have no apologies for emotions. I think they're very good. It's rich and fine, uh, uh, so no problem there, but I, I just want to make it through. That is my only issue, and so uh, pull for me on that end, because I'm, I'm, uh, I, I did good to the very end, but anyway, uh, we had an officer's uh, installation. I need to tell the story, because it, it kind of tells. I don't know when I'm going to get emotional. It's like, it's strange. But uh, I walked through most things, and you know, uh, last night was it emotional. Carol said, I said, no, I was, I was fine. And, but in the installation and ordination of our new officers, uh, it was the last month right before I was leaving, and I knew I was going to be gone during the next and last meeting of the officers, and I wouldn't have another time to be among them as their pastor, uh, senior pastor. 
And uh, I had no emotion going into it. All I was going to do is the benediction. And so I'm sitting there and I look around and I see a sea of elders and deacons and their spouses. And I look back and my mind just started going way back to that first little elder meeting. A little living room, a little handful of us sat around and we said, I wonder what God wants to do here. I wonder what might happen in the future. Could we, could we believe God for something really significant that he could impact this community in a, in a real significant way? And, um, and then to kind of fast forward and think and see this sea of incredibly faithful leaders and servants. And so, you know, I, I, I just lost it right then and there. And I was so hard, but I, Jeff got up and <clears throat> started doing the message and I mean, how are you going to cry during one of his messages? You know, I'm not going to cry, so I'm, I'm doing good through his message, you know. Boy. And we got to the end. All I had to do was the benediction. And I stand up. There's something about that benediction. And I just couldn't. I just lost it. And uh, anyway, that's, I don't know. But don't, don't pull for me to be emotional, okay? I need to get through this thing. So <laughs> having said that, I, we're gonna, I'm going to do a... Uh, 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 I'm going to do an exp- extended family moment. If you're new with us, I always do a, a little two-minute or so, three-minute kind of update what's going on in the life of the church. This is going to be very extended. Um, but then we're going to come to a very brief teaching of God's Word uh, after we've sung a song. And then uh, we're going we're gonna to be uh, doing the table together, as you can tell. And that's an important time in the life of our church. So to give you a quick overview of what I'd like to say in this family update, I'd like to share some expectations. It's all related to the transition. Uh, I'd like to share a few expectations to get us on the same page together. I'd like to share uh, maybe a little advice, maybe make a few requests of you if I could. Um, I'll share a couple of regrets and then I want to end where most importantly, I just want to say thank you on behalf of Carol and me. So uh, let me just start with expectations. So important to set expectations well. You know, they say that gap between expectation and reality is called frustration. And so what you have to do is you have to set expectations realistically so that it meets, ex- it meets those expectations with reality. And, and so um, uh, first of all, my role, just so everybody has a clear understanding of this, uh, I will not be an assistant senior pastor. That is not my role. Uh, I'm going to be an assistant pastor. I'll be founding pastor forever, but I'm going to be an assistant pastor full-time. I I would really, really, really love for us to get rid of the language. I bet Carol and I a hundred or hundreds of times have heard the genuine request, how are you doing in your retirement? How does it feel now? You know, but uh, we're not retiring. We're here, still here, a part of the church. It'll be full-time but uh, as an assistant pastor. My responsibilities, just so you all understand that. Uh, uh, I'm going to be um, giving most of my time to Life on Life Ministries. It is a 501c3, but it's under the leadership of this church. It is under our ministry. It is a ministry of perimeter. And I'll be giving most of my time there as founder and president of that uh, ministry. Uh, I will still be doing investigative forums, if you're familiar with what that is, as long as we're still bringing unchurched people to investigate the gospel. Uh, I'll do Express Your Faith, which is uh, the training of how to share your faith. I'll continue to do that as long as there's willingness of a congregation to come 
and to be trained to that end. I will still be on the teaching team, but it will be in a very limited uh, role with my, that's my desire, and we believe as leadership this would be the best. It will be limited, particularly this first year. Um, and then anything else that Jeff would, uh, would ask me to be doing, that's what my job description will be. Uh, I will not be at uh, leadership meetings of this church except for what all staff and all elders are invited to uh, unless I'm asked by Jeff or the elder ministry team and that only then would I come to any of the, the leadership meetings. Um, I will make no recommendations uh, to Jeff or to any other staff uh, unless they come asking me for advice on something. Certainly then I would, but otherwise uh, I, I won't be making recommendations uh, uh, unsolicited advice, we've learned this as parents of adult children, unsolicited advice <laughs> is received typically as criticism, and so that is not going to be the case from your past, former pastor of this church. Uh, I'm going to be loyal to Jeff. I will be loyal, and uh, uh, I will not entertain any criticism, if it were to come, of him or of his decisions. In fact, if they do come my way, uh, and so I'm telling you with, with, you know, a lot of lead here, I will be unfriendly if you do. Uh, I, won't, uh, I won't be smiling when I, when I hear that. That just cannot be. We just want to make sure that just does not happen. Uh, just so you know a little bit about Carol and my uh, immediate uh, future plans, uh, we're going to be uh, locked in here as normal for uh, outside of with this job description change uh, for the month of uh, September or the rest of September and October. Uh, during that time particularly, we want to focus on our Rooted to Flourish uh, vision meetings that we're going to have with everybody comes together at one of four different gatherings here at the church, and I'll be a part of that to uh, just encourage and keep us, you know, uh, excited about where Jeff has taken us. I'm so excited about that. Um, and then all the other responsibilities that I have that I've mentioned, uh, whatever that might be at that time. Uh, March the 3rd, um, or November the 3rd, I'm sorry, through March, we've been gifted a sabbatical by the leadership of our church. I've never taken a sabbatical. I do a study leave, but it, and I have a week of vacation during that time usually, but it's, it's a study leave for me. And, and uh, they have gifted us with a, a time to say, get away and uh, enjoy uh, a little break, a little season of, of break. And so uh, we're gonna do that all but five weeks right now. We're planned uh, to be out of town, so we won't be around here much. And so if you don't see us, it doesn't mean that we're not connected and a part of the work here. We certainly are, and we'll, we'll be praying as we're gone. Even when we're here those five weeks, I may be preaching at some of our daughter congregations. I may be, uh, you know, not sure, but uh, when we are here and without commitments, uh, we'll be right here worshiping among you and looking forward uh, to that. Um, and then we'll be back in full plan uh, in April at that time. Uh, secondly, a little advice, maybe a, a few requests. Here's my number one request, and that is keep the priorities in order. I'll explain, but keep the priorities in order. And here's the order of the priorities. Love Jesus. Focus and attention is on him. We love him. Eh, we're not going to debate that. I think we're all agreed. He's the head of the church. We're to love him. But secondly, in this order, love your church. Love your church. Love your church. That is love its mission. Love its purpose. 
Love its values. Love its theology. Love your church. And thirdly, love your pastor. I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second, but you know that order of priority is not typical today. People love Jesus as Christians, and then they love their pastor. But they don't love the church in many occasions, and they go to church because of the pastor. They leave the church because of a pastor. Uh, just, no, 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 no. Uh, just keep in mind, keep that order, and watch what happens. But as you do that, even though it's third in priority, you love Jeff well. Love him the way you've loved me. And so I say encourage him. Even as you've encouraged me, and I always have invited, and he does the same, I know. And that is, we don't want to be flattered. Uh, we want you to be honest. Uh, but we do appreciate encouragement. It goes a long way. It probably does for you as well. Uh, we have a lot of things that come along in our job, like you do in yours, that are discouraging. And to have encouragement, man, you have no idea how far that can go. And be kind in your criticism. Like, just because you criticize is not mean that you're not encouraging. It's how you criticize. And I, I just beg this for Jeff. Be kind in your criticisms. Don't just say, I said it. Say it in a loving and kind and encouraging way. We benefit from that. And then you pray for Jeff. You pray for him. You have no idea. I have no idea how much we needed. Carol and I praying, coming here to the church in the car. And as I prayed, I said, Lord, I have no idea how you've been protecting us. I have no sight of what's been going on in the unseen. But I know there's plenty that's happening. And I just thank the Lord for so many of you that have prayed for us so faithfully. Why, every membership class, I say, please, pray for me. I know all don't, but there are a few in every class that will. And that mounts up over the years. And over and over, I hear so many of you, I pray for you, I pray for you, I pray for you. Who knows in heaven what we're going to find out because of those prayers. So you pray for Jeff. And demonstrate your love for your church and for Jeff by, if you can, come and support tonight what's about to happen. It's going to be a baton passing ceremony. It's going to be, it's going to be rich. It's going to be good. And I hope you'll enjoy it tonight as well. But, uh, and participate in the upcoming 40 days of prayer and fasting. To whatever limit uh, level you feel you can connect in that, please be a part of that. Pray for what's coming in the future. Attend the vision casting gatherings that we'll be at and then give generously. Give generously. I had a staff member who said, you know, if I were, if I were Jeff coming into this role, this wouldn't be that much of a challenge. This may not be some. But he said, you know what hit me would be always having to think about are the finances okay to do what we're doing and so forth. And I said, you have no idea. I mean, I, I get into our meeting and they do a financial report. I go, <laughs> I don't want to know about that stuff. Just tell me, do we have enough to do what we think God's called us to do? And when that's yes, and I go, good, let's, let's keep plowing ahead. So give generously. And maybe the last thought in this arena would be, don't compare Jeff and me. Don't compare us. Um, you know we're different ages. I don't know. Did you know we are actually different ages? Now, you may not. <laughs> I'm 68. 
He's 40. Do you know the advantages that I have at 68 that I didn't have at 40 and he doesn't have at 40? Don't compare 68 and 40 together. I have a lot of benefits there that have come my way. Most of you have not known me when I was 40. If you were to compare me at 40 and Jeff at 40, I think you may applaud Jeff at that point. And so, and at the same time, I'll reverse it. You know, I am, or Jeff is 40 and I'm 68. There's some advantages he's got. And so that's the beauty of not just keeping the same. We got a new generation coming up to give leadership. That's important. Now, we have different strengths and we have different weaknesses. And I hope you're glad about that. You don't want a cookie cutter, same thing, let's just nothing changes. Uh, as Carol's often reminded me, different is not wrong. You can just be different. And there's beauty in difference. You're going to get something different. And I hope you'll see that as being very, very good. He has strengths that I don't have. I have strengths he doesn't have. He has weaknesses I don't have. I have weaknesses he doesn't have. And so everybody seems to want in this world an omnicompetent pastor. There's no such thing. And so we all have weaknesses. But remember this. It's in our weaknesses we're made strong. The beauty is to be able to say, I love to be able to stand before the Lord and say, I thank you that I see myself as so weak because it makes me just see how strong you are. And so be thankful that you've got leadership with weakness. It's part of who we are. It's who you are. And that's who God uses, is broken people willing to trust in him. Uh, just a, a couple of regrets, uh, just so I can share the whole story. I have some regrets. People ask me so often, do you just stand amazed looking back at 42 years at what God's done over these years here at this place? And, uh, you know, I, uh, I, depending on who it is, if I don't know them well, I'll say, yes, obviously so. And I do. I mean, obviously, couldn't have done this. You and I together, we can't do what God's done here. We know that. But at the same time, if I know them well enough, I say, you know, to tell you the truth, if you want me to share my real heart on this thing, I, I, uh, I actually have great regret that this church is not more beautiful than she actually is. Among our staff, I've now for two years been hammering, and I mean hammering, sometimes to their discomfort, what I call the big win. So we better always keep in mind what the big win of this church is. And the big win is not to grow bigger, it's not to do this, it's not to do that, it's not all those things, some things good, no. Our big win is to make the bride of Christ as beautiful as we can possibly make her. That's what we're called to do. And if that thrills your heart, you're at a good spot. If that's not what you're excited about, I hope you won't enjoy being a part of the staff. And I would say that to the church as well. That's what we're all about, making her as beautiful as she can possibly be. And I will say that, that uh, you know, I have failed in some tough decisions that I wish I had made. And, uh, and I look back and I know why I failed in them. It's insecurity. Uh, I hate to go against uh, a strong opposition of people I love. Different deal if they're not people that I care about, but if it's people I love and they don't want something and they want to argue against it, how easy it is to be tempted to say, okay, we won't do that. 
And I have looked over this last year and kicked myself on so many occasions saying, if only, if only, if only. And I regret that. And, uh, I, and I say that so that I will ask you, please, you applaud Jeff when Jeff makes a hard decision that's maybe not a popular decision or against what you think is best. And you can be honest. Say, I don't agree with the decision where you're going. That's perfectly good. But I hope you'll applaud him for being willing to stand the course of what he is convinced God is calling us to do. You should be pleased that there is no pastor at top of the chain and we're the authority, we're the final word. That's not the way it works here. We're under a leadership team of elders and those elders have a vote equal to his vote or what used to be my vote. I'm one of 10, he'll be one of 10. And you've got a good enough leadership around here. If they don't agree, they're going to say no. So when he does give leadership and wants something that, that maybe is approved by the others and we're going in a direction, you just applaud him if for nothing else. Way to go, Jeff. Be a good leader. Now, a second regret, it's just that I have not, I have not uh, known more of you better. You know, I used to up till the time we moved into this facility and we were already at 1,200 people or something like that on a typical Sunday. And our membership, I've always taken them, and I'd 30 or 40 of them a day. I'd go over, pray over the names, try to remember their names so that I would see you and know who you are and so forth. And, and then in the late 90s, uh, size got bigger than my memory, and I just couldn't do it. And I kind of surrendered. And now, I'm so many times, I hear this all the time. People come and say, you know who so-and-so? I say, oh, yeah. Yeah, what about them? And they'll tell me stories about you that I go, you kidding me? That is amazing. And I think, and I've never even known them for what they've done before the kingdom of God and for his glory. And I just say, I wish and I regret, but uh, it is what it is, but I do have those regrets. Lastly, let me say thank you. And, uh, and I'm speaking for Carol. I asked her if she'd like to be up here and uh, if you've seen her this morning, she has a boot on her foot. She, we, she fractured her foot and sprained her ankle on our next last day here. And uh, so she uh, didn't want to hobble up here and, and uh, time's been limited. She said, do you just say it on my behalf as well. And so I'm speaking for both of us uh, when I say this. Uh, first, we, we thank the kids, you know, our kids. And, and uh, you know, we said something at the 40th and, and tried to express then just how appreciative and uh, only God knows what they've gone through to, uh, in the role they have and great benefits, but a lot of challenges just being the children of pastors. And who knows what the evil one brings about even in that role. And, and I, I'd say that's another good reason. You pray for Jeff, but pray for his family. Pray for his children. Uh, pray for Rachel. Uh, pray for them on an ongoing faithful basis. But, um, but I, I say to our kids, you know, thank you so much. Um, our staff and officers, I took a time like this, 30 minutes or so, and I, I shared with them the types of things I'm sharing with you, but those things specifically related to them. And I hope if you missed that, that it was recorded. I hope you'll get a copy of that where you can know what I, my final thoughts were for, for each of your groups that are so important and amazing, amazing people. But I'm really here for you as a congregation to say this. Uh, I've received cards from our staff and our officers, our, uh, our uh, our um, 
congregation, many of you have, have been you know, sending us notes, and we're overwhelmed with gratitude. And, and we just feel it's so odd that we wouldn't respond. We used to take time to write and say something so kind and gracious. Many of you pour your hearts out, and, and we're just like, how do we respond to everybody? And uh, so I want to at least try to cover as much here to say thank you uh, so much for uh, the kindness that you have shown uh, recently, but uh, more importantly throughout uh, all of these many years. I want to say thank you to two particular groups. I want to say thank you to the members, the faithful members of this church. I want to say thank you for making and keeping covenant with God. It's out of vogue today. People don't like authority, and they don't want God's authority. They don't want God's bride to be an authority, and so they date the church, and some of them feel they're engaged to the church, but they say, I'm not going to marry. That's a vow. I'm not going to do that. And do you know we're a church here that we have, you know, the vast majority of the people who are coming to this church are taking the vow. You call it membership. It sounds ugly. It's not. It's God's, it's God's plan. It's called a covenant. I want to thank you for going through a, a rigorous membership process here because if any organization should be strong in how it brings in its members, it's the church. And, um, and you have been wonderful in doing that. And I say thank you. Thank you for the way so many of you volunteer, the way you serve, the way you uh, are willing to be a part of a church that does discipleship. And uh, you don't understand the downsides of us being a discipleship church. Uh, you know the wonderful upsides. They're downsides. And when I'm training and teaching about discipleship, I say, do you know what the downsides of a church really focusing on discipleship? And when I enumerate what they are, Leadership goes, oh my goodness. I said, you need to go into it with your eyes open. It's not an easy task. It's not that there are no downsides, but oh, the upsides. Oh, wow. And you have allowed that. And so I say thank you to, uh, to you for that and for so many of you who have a missional lifestyle. That's been my great disappointment too, that I have not done a better job. Every time I go in my study leave, I come away kind of hitting myself hard saying, Randy, you're not doing it. Equip these people better. Get them, help them, help them better. But uh, for so many of you that are so faithful to that end, I say thank you. There's a second group specifically that I want to say thank you to. There are old timers. They're in a group, not all of you, but a lot of them are in a group called uh, the Victors, if you've heard of them. Uh, the Victors uh, started when we started the church. And it was called uh, the Victors because they were the Victors of our church. We were the, they were the old time. They were the old people of our church. Now, you had to be 40 to be able to be in it. <laughs> and there were very few older than 40. It was just this little band of, of old people that got together at 40 years of age. Well, you add 42 years to that now, and they're still going. But they're so few in number because most of them were Jesus now. But let me tell you, that group right there, you ought to honor like nobody's business because you don't, eh, man. You, you, have, you have no idea um, what they've given up. They really have. Um, a lady came to me, an older lady, 20, 25 years my senior, about 10 years ago, and right in the very back, she said, Randy, I want to thank you 
I want to thank you for those things in this church that I just don't like. I said, what is that? She enumerated a few, and she said, you know why? Because those are the things that cause young people to want to be here. And I, and I know they sometimes make people like us, my age, that say, oh, I don't like that because. But you kept focusing on the younger generation, and I find my joy in looking over this place every week and seeing how many young people. And he says, I thrill. I, I'm thrilled with that. Thank you. Keep it up. And that's been the heart of these that are older families in our church, older folks in our church, you know, we stand and we don't think a thing. Young people, oh, let's stand and we'll stand up for 20 minutes singing our songs and we'll stand. And, and you know what they're thinking? Now, they really are because I'm thinking it now. <laughs> I'm thinking, I can't stand that long. My back is killing me right now. And you stand, and I don't, and I can't see the screen, and I can't see this, and I can't, you know, but it's like, oh. But, you know, they have never been a people that have come to me and complained and griped. And I just say, you victors and that age people, oh, my, you, uh, you, you're, you're wonderful, and I want to say thank you. There's one last um, uh, thing to value. You've, you've loved us well in general. You've encouraged us. You've been patient with us. You've prayed for us. And you have, and you have corrected me. And with only you know, a minor percentage of, of exceptions, you've done it in a very gracious way. And, uh, and I say, please keep doing that. Do it for Jeff. Uh, but as you do, don't go to other people. Go to him if it's with him. And uh, you, you just love well. And I just want to say thank you Thank you, thank you. The last uh, one that I want to thank is Jeff himself. Uh, I want to say thanks, Jeff, for uh, allowing me to stay on staff. Um, most, that's an exception, uh, most young leaders uh, would not be near secure enough to say, yeah, you stay on, Randy, I want you here. Because that was one of the things I asked, do you want me here, you want me to leave? He didn't feel threatened, so why would I want you to leave? He was just like, no. And I say thank you, Jeff, for uh, letting me uh, stay on staff. And, and uh, I've said this to our officers. I've said it to the staff. I've said it to Jeff. I'll say it to all of you. I truly feel honored to be invited to be an assistant pastor here at this church. I feel honored to fill that role. And so um, I've never wavered in my confidence that uh, he was God's choice uh, to follow me here. But if you think it was my choice and that alone, no. We have a leadership of people, a, a large group put collectively together that was over this whole plan, and uh, I, I made sure that it was not, hey, guys, this is who we got to have. I tried to hold back and say, let's all look. Do we think? And we vetted him long and well, and I'm telling you, it was unanimous, and it was always my delight because I truly felt here was the first time I said, I think this is the guy that God would have. And uh, so, but please know, uh, it's not a church where there's one of us in, in control. That's not it. And uh, certainly not in the choice of him. So uh, for one uh, last time, I would say to all of you, uh, thank you so very, very, very much. Now, what I'd like to do, if you would allow me, I'm gonna get to do this tonight in a bigger and better way, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for you just for a brief minute here. And when I finish praying, I want you to take just a one minute between when the, the choir gets back on here and, and they invite you to stand. Uh, I, I want you to pray and you carry on my prayer 
You pray for this church and you pray for its transition. For that just brief few seconds that you have between when I quit and they ask you to stand. So let's pray together, all right? Our Father in heaven, we say thank you for all you've done in this transition. And I pray uh, for uh, this wonderful church as, as it transitions into the next uh, season of its leadership. I pray that you would bless it beyond measure. Uh, may there be faith as never before. May there be holiness as never before. May there be joy in serving you. May this place be as missional as it can possibly be. And in general, may she be as beautiful as she can possibly be as your bride on this earth. May you be so thrilled with what happens here for the years and years to come that follow this day. So we thank you and we love you. Now hear us as we continue to silently talk to you. You know, there have been, I'm sure, plenty of churches that would at this point say, we've spent a long time, it's really time to kind of close us out. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I just don't think it is appropriate that you come before the Lord in a service of worship and you don't open God's word. And I'm not doing this just so we can check a box. Because I've just given you what I think is counsel and wisdom and update. Uh, but we want to hear the authority of what God has to say. And you're going to be amazed how strikingly close you're going to see in our text today. If you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Beginning this week, the perimeter is going to be put to her greatest test in 42 years. You can mark my word on that. It's greatest test. And that will be, how will the Perimeter family respond or approach its first pastoral leadership transition? As our text will say, will we be mere men and women, which he calls, in this text, Paul calls carnal? Or will we be spiritual men and women? That would be referring to a maturity of faith. The same test was confronted in the early church by the Apostle Paul, a church that was at Corinth. And uh, Paul introduces us to the test of that church in this chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. I think we can learn a lot from its uh, experience. I'm going to read the text, and this is going to be a 10-minute thing, but just briefly, I'd like, to, I'd like to read the text and make a few comments so you understand. And let the text speak for itself. Here's the first three verses. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you're not able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men, just very simple. First two verses, he addresses those that are uh, men and women of the flesh, and that means carnal. It's a word, literally, we would use, okay, we talk about the carnal Christian. In reality, the carnal Christian can be one of two types. One can be a carnal Christian, the new young Christian, uh, who he's not saying anything constructive about, uh, uh, that, uh, that there's something wrong. He's not saying, hey, I got a problem with you here. Uh, you're mere babes and you have to be fed with milk and so forth. No, that's what happens with, with baby Christians. But the third verse comes along and he changes that word from flesh to fleshly. A lot of difference there. Even in the original language, the word fleshy, H 
Why? That is sarkanos. Fleshly, sarkikos. Little difference there. Let me tell you, it's a lot of difference in reality because he's saying there are some of you that are your babies in Jesus. And, and, and you got to be, you are carnal. That's the way it is to be. And we're feeding you milk. We're kind of getting you going. But he says, but there's a problem here. We've got, we've got many of you that are fleshly. There's an L put in there in the English. It's a change of the Greek word, and it's talking about now a condition that needs to be addressed because there's sin about it. And that sin is identified as envy and strife for the people here. But it was a division that was taking place over preference of leaders. How interesting is that? Let's go to verse 4. Here's who they are. He says, and when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? Meaning, are, are you not falling into that sinful trap for you as people who have been Christians a while to be acting like mere men and mere women? Oh, no, no, no. Not at all. By the way, Apollos, we don't know much about him. Two times in Scripture we read about him. I don't know exactly how you know much, except you can go to history and read a little bit, but it's not for sure. It's not necessarily accurate. But one thing that I read about him was that he was known for his great communication skills. And I thought, oh, the church then must have been like today. The big deal is, who's your pastor and how well does he speak? Folks, get away from that. I can tell you right now for sure and when somebody says, Randy, what are the most important aspects of somebody who has to step into this role? And I say, the first is going to be this. The second is going to be this. The third is going to be this in priority. The fourth will be this. And maybe five, I say, and he needs to be able to communicate well. Let me tell you, folks, you can pick up anybody's message if you love communicators anywhere, anytime. And that's why I focus so much on love your church. And don't focus on that. I think that was the problem in this church. Paul, he said of himself, I'm, a, I'm not the best communicator. I don't, you know, I don't speak all that well, but here comes Apollos. No, it's not about people. It's not about people at all. In fact, that's why we see what we see in verse 5. It says this, what then is Apollos and what is, is Paul? He doesn't say who. That is the neuter. He could have used the, the masculine instead. He doesn't. He uses the neuter. He's trying to get away from people and say, don't look at people. You look at the function that they have. And he says, so what are they? They're servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each of you. All he's saying is this. They're just servants. Do you know that word servant is the term for the lowliest of all? It was first for those that would wait tables. And in that day, that was a very low job to wait tables. Oh, you're just a servant. But it became the word that was used of those who served Christ. They're ministers. They're servants. That's all that they are. Later, it was used to define the role of deacons. But let me tell you, it's just saying, look, do you not understand the lowliness of the position of Paul, of Apollos, of Randy? Of Jeff? That's all he's saying. One uh, commentator says, it ridicules the tendency to make much of preachers. Who would set servants on a pedestal? Why would you ever do that? The real work is done by God, and the text says, only as God gave opportunity. 
Look at verses six through eight. It reads like this. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. Wow. <laughs> Nothing. But God who causes the growth. When he says Apollos watered, I'll hold back on, on that. He says Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. The tense of those verbs, this is aorist. It's, it's, it's over. You do it and it ends. The second one, imperfect. It's an imperfect in the Greek language. And it's saying it just keeps going and going and going. And that's why he raises that as so much of great importance. And then go to verse eight. He says this, now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Then we, uh, we read uh, uh, Leon Morris, a wonderful commentator of scripture. I love what he says. He says, the Corinthians should have been fastened on God, not his unimportant instruments. Well put. Verse nine, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field and building. So he says, okay, let's put it in perspective. He says, now, uh, here's the deal. We are, Paul and Apollos, so we're, you know, we lay the foundation, we build upon it. That's kind of our gifts and what we're called to do. And, and you're the building, the people of God, you're the building. And then he says, or another analogy, you're the field. But God is the one that's working through us, but he's the one that works. That's why you look and give all praise and honor to him, not to anyone else. Go to verse 10. Verse 10 says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. Another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. So we have to be careful. Jeff has to be careful. I have to be careful. The staff, we all have to be careful. The leadership, you, we're builders. I mean, we equip the saints to do the work of ministry. We're building. We're the people of God, building ourselves, our own community. He says, be careful how you do that. And then verse 11, boy, does he bring the, the big issue. He says, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ. He says, don't you ever forget this. The foundation of a church is in Christ. It is never in a person. Now, you're not going to build a foundation on good works that people can move. You're not going to find the foundation on, a, on people who are going to, uh, pastors who are going to preach self-help sermons. No. Don't you ever, you never want a pastor who's going to say, let me tell you how to make yourself better. Here's some verses of scripture. Here's how you can make you better. Just go do these things. That's not it. It's what Christ does to change us. That's why it's got to be a Christ-centered. That's why he is the foundation. That's the whole teaching here. I will say this. You will never build a church as God wants the church to be on celebrity pastors. It's never going to happen. So don't try to make them that. Let it, it, he is the one who gets all glory. So he brings the whole teaching to a conclusion in the last few verses, 21 through 23. He says this. So then... Let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you. That's weird. All things belong to you. The people? Yeah, to you. And the leaders? It, yeah, you've got gifts. You've got skills. You've got all kind of resources. Yeah, yeah, well, you're wonderful. You've got a lot of stuff going for you. But for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death, things present, things to come, all things belong to you, but... Here's the, here's the catcher. And you belong to Christ. And Christ belongs to God. And so the conclusion of the text is saying this. 
you give all glory to God. Primitive church, you give glory to God forever. It's glory to him. Christians should never view Christian leaders in a fleshly way. And that's the test that we're going to be taking. Will we be fleshly as older Christians who we're not fleshy? We're, we're, we, we've, we've passed the baby Christian stage. Now, are we going to avoid being fleshly? And I say, and I'll tell you, I'll thank you for Jeff right now. I say thank you that I've never heard this called Randy's Church. And I am thankful that it will never be called Jeff's Church. This will be the church that is Jesus. And that's the way it'll be. Now, having said that, you're ready, I believe. I think you're ready for the test. I think you're going to pass the test. I think you're going to do great on the test. I really do. But you're not going to do it in your own strength. You're going to only do it as you do it by the vows that God has given you to take, but you can't do that without the strength to do it. So I'm going to pray for us as we take the table because this is where we're going to make our vow. It's where we're going to find our strength to be able to do just that. And so would you, as we prepare the table, would you prepare your hearts as we pray together? Our Father in heaven, we turn to you now and we ask you that you would forgive us for the sin of the hearts that uh, each of us carry here. Oh, God, we, we have no idea of the depth, the depth of the darkness that's there. And thank you that we can't see it all. But, Lord, we know it's there, and you know every aspect. And we say, would you cleanse us right now? Would you allow us to come to the table in faith and to see the faith we have made stronger? Would you receive our vows? of what we're going to say to you? And would you feed us with the strength to keep the vows that we've made? We're saying here by the table, we depend upon you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.